Welcome to the Empowering Industry Podcast, a production from Empowering Pumps and Equipment as the voice of the pump and related equipment industry. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 116 of the Empowering Industry Podcast. This is coming out on April the 18th. I hope everybody had a wonderful Easter holiday. And I'm your host, Charlie Matthews. I am going to be doing another solo episode and really missing Bethany Walmack. And so if you see her, please let her know. Bethany, I hope you listen to this. And thanks for choosing us, everybody. Uh, leave us a favor, a rating, a review. Uh, much appreciated. And that helps us you know, have our podcast show up so that other listeners can find us. And we love our listeners. So every week, we are going to cover social media updates. We're going to preview the news from Empowering Pumps and Equipment. And then we are going to connect you with an industry influencer. But before we start, I wanted to tell you a little bit about my week. I got to spend a couple of days in Mobile, Alabama, and I stopped by to see Michelle Seagrest and Bethany Walmack. I plugged in on the FaceTime. And so it was just a really fun time to spend with them, see them smile and laugh, and then also go to the Alabama, Mississippi uh, water conference that was in Mobile. So I was just really happy to get to be with them. And I just wanted to share that with you. And I think it's really important to just be social, you know? And so with that, let's get social. This is where we'll fill you in on a new trend or something that's happening in social media. We like to start with Manufacturing Monday because it's super cool that you can just go on to Twitter and see what other manufacturers are doing. But we want to highlight our partners. And this week, Crane Pumps and Systems is our partner that we want to feature. They have been designing and manufacturing pumps since 1946. Also, accessories and systems that provide solutions for municipal water and wastewater, residential, commercial, industrial, and military pump market segments. And so check out Crane Pumps and Systems. I have, you know, attached their link to the hub that we have on empowering pumps. And so please give them a shout out or engage with our post that's going out on social media. We also want to invite you to our virtual meetups. We will have one more uh, in April, which is part of our book club for empowering women. And so that's April the 26th uh, from three to four o'clock central time. And that's every fourth Tuesday, I believe, uh, that we're doing that. And we're going to be covering Power Up, Power Down with Gail Rudolph. And we are on chapters four through six. So if you have not joined that and would like to, please do so. Also, I will include, you know, the link to all of our virtual meetings for empowering women. Uh, We are on into May uh, with both the meetup, our mentorship circles, and any other thing that you need is at empoweringwomeninindustry.com. But we will put that in the show notes. We also have, you know, the exciting April event, um, April 19th with Empowering Pumps, where we will be talking about lessons learned from the shop floor to product engineering uh, with Nick from Home and Pump. And just really, really excited about that. And seeing the people sign up uh, to come and listen to him has been just a treasure. So take a look at that and sign up for all of our virtual meetups. They're so important and we want to see you and, and get to know you. So join us. Okay, I'd like to do a shout out. Uh, I don't want y'all to forget that it's National Welders Month. So I am going to shout out Diala Ray and Kaylin Lees, who are empowering tradeswomen of the year. Uh, And so check them out. 
They are always posting some of the coolest things and wonderful to follow on Instagram. Uh, Any other welders out there, I'd love to hear from you. So give us a mention at Empowering Pumps or using that hashtag Empowering Industry Podcast. You do have to pre-register for all of those virtual events so that you can get the link. But please join us, you know, turn your camera on, introduce yourself, uh, let us know your celebrations and your challenges. We would be so happy to see you. Okay, so one thing that I wanted to tell you all about is Slack. And this is the software program that just allows you to really connect with a community. And so we just launched, I guess, last year, Empowering Women in Industries Slack group. And now we are launching the Empowering Pumps and Equipment Slack group. So if you haven't signed up, go ahead and check that out. Again, it's this collaborative online space where our community members can get together and participate in our mission, which is to connect, inform, and educate the pump and related equipment industries. So all you have to do you know, is follow the link that's in the show notes, uh, sign up. We do want you to introduce yourself when you get into the app, but that's because we want to welcome you to the community and it's easy and I hope that we'll see you there. And this is where we transition to the news. Okay. I want to talk to you about this article with from Chesterton, A.W. Chesterton, about what is a double seal and when to use one. Now, I feel like if I tell you that, I've pretty much given you the article. So I'm just going to tell you what a double seal is. It's a dual mechanical seal, okay? And it's designed for maximum sealing safety. Uh, These seals essentially eliminate leakage, you know, a fluid, gas, or other things that we don't want. So we don't want those leakages to happen, whether it's in mixers or pumps or, or whatever. So Yeah, that's what I wanted to say about that. And uh, I'm going to put the link in there because if I tell you how to, when to use them, I feel like I give the article away. So just check that out. It's a, you know, a double seal is the same as a dual mechanical seal. They are designed to maximize sealing safety. You know, the seals essentially eliminate leakage of the fluid or gas being handled by a mixer or a pump. So looking forward to hearing what you think of that article, a little teaser there. And then the next one I wanted to talk to you about was from Surumi, and it is effectively maintain pumps and bounce back after failures. Pumps are one of the most depended on pieces of equipment in the industrial field. As a result, we also know that they are the most abused, and it is not uncommon for many end users to run their pumps until they fail, only to be shocked at the cost of maintenance and taking care of that equipment after it's been, after it's failed. Uh, But the good news is with a little preparation, a little assistance uh, from a dependable workshop, you can, you know, have these very expensive repairs uh, minimized or even avoided altogether. So the article goes on to tell us about the most important contributing factors to the successful predictive pump maintenance regimen and I think that's a great thing. Uh, Let's go all read about it and see how we can better predict when pump maintenance needs to happen. And at that point, we're going to go into the industry interview. I'm really excited about this interview because he's one of my teammates that was in the locker room with me, uh, Mr. Brian Bieski. And he is the maintenance and reliability leader at Boeing Farming. And this is just something that I just think is remarkable, but he is leading the way there, 
for the maintenance function for the future of farming. And so it's really cool. Like if you go to their website, which we'll put it in the show notes and see farming within a building and kind of going from the ground up. It's really, really amazing. So check that out. But he challenges the status quo and creating a vision uh, through business alignments really is a champion for human centric leadership and connecting people to their value. He also really takes that holistic approach where he is including all levels of the organization to really understand and hopefully have maintenance and reliability success. So I'm really, really happy to have spent this time with Brian. I look forward to the next time we get together. He is always kind of on the maintenance community and sharing uh, his knowledge with everyone. So thank you, Brian. And I know I'll let you get to the interview now. Hey, Brian. Thanks so much for joining me on the Empowering Industry Podcast. Uh, Anytime I get to talk to you is a joy. I feel like I've learned so much from you in the Leadership Launchpad, you know, classes or whatever you want to call it, sessions in the locker room. That's what I'm supposed to say back when we did that together. So it was great getting to know you. But why don't you start by telling everybody kind of what's your story, who you are, what you're doing now? Right on. Uh, it was good to see you too, Charlie. I know we haven't talked uh, in a while. I've been kind of laying low with some life changes and things. But yeah, so uh, I am Brian Bieschke. Um I'm currently the uh, a maintenance and reliability leader for Bowery Farming, one of the largest, if not the largest, vertical indoor hydroponic farms um, growing all different types of uh, leafy greens. I encourage everybody to go to BoweryFarming.com and, and educate yourself on the sustainability, um, the, the quality, the lack of pesticides, lack of herbicide, herbicides, you know, all these things. It's very, very cool. So I, I encourage uh, that for sure. I come from uh, dropping out of college to being a mechanic a whole lot and going in the Navy, being a mechanic some more. Uh, and then um, started my real positional leadership uh, with Host, which was the company I worked for prior to Bowery. So uh, I built, oversaw, and standardized seven maintenance programs for them. So, and now I'm here. That was my big life change. I needed to uh, to have a life. <laughs> yeah, leveled up. He leveled up both in business and life, uh, <laughs> yeah. which is wonderful. Well, I think, you know, I think you're fascinating for one. I did get to kind of see an inside view, some of the work that you're doing. Uh, I want to share this picture with everybody later. There is, you know, you with like a wrench or something over your shoulder. I'm like, he's doing the real work, y'all. This is great. But, you know, there's something to getting in this industry. So you gave us a little bit about it. Um, kind of, you know, figuring out your path. I, I do love that. And I, I guess, how did you figure out that you wanted to, you know, work with your hands, be out and about? Like, what's your thoughts about how you got there? So uh, I, I've i always been interested in, in like mechanical and, you know, just machines and things and why and how they work. You know, mm-hmm. I, I didn't know. I started tinkering with my Jeep. I was really into four wheeling and things would break and and I would try to fix them. I would fail and I'd figure out why or someone would help me and I'd figure out why. And uh, so that really is where it started. And then I went to college and and I wasn't a very good student in school. Nothing. It didn't interest me. Uh, And if I'm not interested, I'm not going to do a good job. (laughs) Um, I think I think that's true for most people. Right. (laughs) Like if this means nothing to me, why? Why am I doing this? Yeah. Yeah. So I just I went to college for like a couple months. I really only went to play lacrosse and 
I was just sitting in English class one day and I was like, why am I doing this? This is no fun. Um, so I told him I was going to the bathroom and then I just left and never came back. <laughs> and I went and I started tinkering and I didn't have a job. I didn't go to school. And I just, I decided to go to automotive school, you know, cause I wanted to, to learn the things that I had been doing with, with cars and trucks and Jeeps. And, uh, that really set a good foundation for me. And then it just spiraled from there. I saw, you know, the nice thing about working with your hands and being a mechanic and the value and the outcomes are right in front of you. You are doing them and you have a real perspective to see the success or the failure. And I think there's a lot of value in that as opposed to kind of what I do now with strategy and things, you know, you're not seeing, you are some seeing some immediate fails or passes, but a lot of it is like you're planning, you're mm. hoping things, you're trying to line things up to see where they go. But yeah, that's, that's where it started. I, I still tinker to this day. I just bought an F650 service truck for, for fixing heavy equipment. Cause that's what I do in my free time. <laughs> I love it. So, okay. I feel like I know exactly who to ask about any kind of mechanical problems right now, especially for my Jeep. I have a Jeep, but it's a, it's a Cherokee. It's not like a, one of those fun ones. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, like, you know, definitely want to ask you about that, but I'm, I'm curious. I, I want to know what it was like. Um, you, you mentioned always earlier that you work there, like in, in that everyday uh, managing a team and, and kind of what, what was that job like and why I guess, did you move to another one? So Hard questions. No, it's fine. Um, it's good. So I, I managed, I started out at one facility and I was hired as a maintenance engineer. I'm not an engineer. I, I don't, didn't even know what it was. I was like, but it, the description was all the things that I was interested in. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I started there It was a big terminal. We didn't have anything. There was, they were just renting equipment and no one was fixing, you know, we didn't own anything. So I came in and started standardizing, you know, creating actual things we needed and what we were supposed to do, what was the long-term goal for having our own shop and all these things. So I was managing a small group, you know, I had um, maybe eight, eight mechanics and a planner. In the middle of hurricane season too, as I recall. Oh, this is different. I'm talking about like oh. way in the beginning. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, way in the beginning. So this, this is like when I first started at Host. And uh, I, I guess I did such a bang up job that I, I, uh, I got promoted to do the same thing for all the terminals. Okay. And the where I met you, Charlie, is was like the seventh terminal that we took over in the, on the Mississippi. And I moved my whole family to New Orleans. By that time, um, I was the head of maintenance for the company. Uh, I, all the maintenance managers were reporting to me, uh, support staff, you know, all of those things with, you know, at one point near 100 indirect reports as far as mechanics, electricians, you know, all these things. None of that was the problem. That was the best part is um, is learning and being a part of the successes and the failures of the group and, and individual terminals and the differences between each one and the, the cultural differences and changes and all that was great. It was really just a matter of logistics. Yeah. Like, so I'm thinking like where you were and all yeah. of the drama. Just, yeah. Just not being able, there's nothing on host. I, I mean, I would still be working there if it weren't for geographically where all the business is now, you know, but I did move my family there for 2020. It was tough. Uh, mm-hmm. That's when I met you. I mean, you know, it was rough. And um, not that I made it rough. Like, like, just no. to be clear, like I didn't do that. Yeah, but no. you were you were searching for what to do. I think is the best way to say that to yeah. navigate all of this. I needed to prioritize. Yeah, and the priority was uh, be around. I have a two year old. Uh, he was one at the time. I have a seven year old as well. 
it was to be around. I, I had moved to, to New Orleans for a year and then I moved back here and I was traveling so often that I just, you know, I get calls from my daughter my, on my wife's phone. She's crying. She's upset. You know, she'd always tell me she didn't want me to go anywhere. And then when I'm not there, we still have obligations as a family and I'm not there. So my wife is doing all of that. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, how it all just compounds. <laughs> it does. And, and I think that, you know, I think this is a good conversation to have because I'm sure that there are tons of people that are experiencing this same thing, especially, you know, 2020 was, you know, terrible uh, with a lot of this. And then I think we're just now trying to figure out, okay, how do we get back to this balance is the not the word, but like life. And I think you made a good decision when looking at all of those factors and how you wanted to show up. I know we talked a lot about that. How do we want to show up for everybody? Um, it sounds like you made a really great decision yeah. there. I, I just, I had, I had to choose. Right. And, and like, I, I, you know, thinking about it, it's like a lot of money, positional authority, have a life. Mm-hmm. I chose the life and, and, I would, and I would do it again. And my daughter just told me two nights ago that she's glad I don't leave anymore. So that's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm happy to hear it. And I'm, I forgot where you were, where you moved to. I moved to New Orleans. I'm, I'm back in Maryland. No, I'm in Maryland. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, so in Maryland. And then I know you can't say a lot about your job now, but what is it like? What is your day like uh, now? <laughs> so uh, Bowery was very intriguing <clears throat> to me because I had never heard of, you know, I'm a, I'm a mining heavy equipment dirt monkey, you know? So I, I had seen this on LinkedIn. I think it popped up just the name. It wasn't even a position that I was even interested in. It was just, and I was like, Oh, what is this? And I went on their website and so they had some pictures and I read through like the sustainability, the, the growth, just the technology being used. And it was just amazing to me. Um, I don't know if I think I told you this in the past, but like, I always had this kind of like, I don't know if it's a dichotomy or not, but like this thing where I'm very, very environmentally conscious Mm -hmm. and like health conscious, but I'm working in an industry that literally pollutes and destroys, um, like everything. (laughs) That's a, it's a hard place to be, um, torn in between two worlds. Yeah. So um, that was a big part of it too. And then I, I found a position for, um, asset care and reliability leader manager, for a farm. We call them farms, but they're just big warehouses that are big facilities that all this indoor growing is, is taking place. I applied for it and the recruiter called me right back and we talked and he gave me some more insight. And I went and had a farm visit with the general manager and we walked around and I saw it and I was like, oh my God, like what the hell's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And I think we're all probably thinking that because we haven't seen it. You know, I haven't seen it uh, to even know what that seems like. But as far as like working, are you still working on equipment? Is it more like no. reliability? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm, I'm just a, I'm basically a maintenance manager. Okay. So I'm, uh, I'm overseeing the day to day at the farm, all, all the, the maintenance the process. Yeah. And uh, we're implementing e-mate for CMMS. So I, I've had a huge hand in that because I've done it twice. But yeah, no, I, I'm not, I, I still do maintenance because I can't, I have to, like I do it with the guys. Um, mm-hmm. It's also built trust and, and camaraderie and things. So it's some strategy there, but yeah, no, I, I'm just a part of the leadership team there. And um, yeah, we, we get after it. It's very cool. It's all automation and, and robotics and the basics. I mean, what a chain, right? Uh, I mean, th- this tells you that you can really pretty much at any time in your life, just make a change that fits better with your lifestyle, which I think is a wonderful, wonderful message to everybody, especially with the the great resignation that's happening. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, let me look at my life and, and put things into perspective and, and make it better. And so I bet you're having a ball there. Yeah. I, 
I get I re- I came in on a Saturday last last week and replaced a pump and I got to do a failure analysis on it. It was fun, you know. Okay, bring in the pump talk. I like it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I mean, it, it's great and it's a good point you make as far as being able to transition. You know, maintenance professionals, reliability professionals, technicians. You know, we understand the the core, the fundamentals, the baselines of what makes generally what make machines tick, right? So if, if I'm in a mining industry and I move into robotics, there's a lot of the same technology, right? It's just the application. I know what bearings are. I'm good with electrical. I know what solenoids and hydraulics and all these things are. So it doesn't matter where I'm at. The asset really doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's just the way they're utilized, the capacity, the the strategy and all those things to support the, the asset. So I love it. Okay. So we mentioned a little bit of leadership, which is back to, again, back to where we met going through and you're so passionate about that and leading other people and kind of getting your team behind you uh, to accomplish a goal. And, you know, I guess we'd love to ask the question. I'm sure you've answered it many ways like I have, but like, what is leadership to you? I'm going to stick to my my guns. You know, leadership to me is creating and facilitating value and success in somebody else. And, you know, I see that as my main job. I'm going to take responsibility for all the failures, but my team's going to take responsibility for all the successes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's my job to ensure that I can I can facilitate that. I like to make the reverence that all I am are the little paddles on a pinball machine mm-hmm. and the people are the ball and all the things that can go into are all the successes. Uh, and I'm the guy just kind of helping guide them towards that, directing them towards that, that potential success. So such a great, great uh, example for one, but then, you know, just looking at how you're doing that, you, you know, even in your own, you know, change there, you're setting up that organization that you left for success. And then this new one for success with your presence and and leading another team with that mindset. I just, I think it's great. I, I do, you know, I do have so many questions, so I can't wait to go dig into the website and try to figure out, okay, what are they doing there? But then looking ahead and kind of what you've learned through this journey, I, I do see you active in different groups. So that thought leadership or advocacy piece, what do you want people to know? Ugh. I mean, that's a big, it's a big question. I, mean, I know. I, I want, keep throwing these big I questions. Want them, I want them to know a lot of things. Um, <laughs> I, I, I guess I'll stick to just a, a short, not short, but a handful. Um, so first is I always like to tell myself and tell others that everybody is experiencing and perceiving the world around them differently. And it's very important to try to understand that. You may not ever connect, right? And that's Okay. But it's important to understand that the perceptions and the evaluations of, of the environment of a technician or electrician or a manager or the CEO, everybody's perceiving it differently. And it's important to it's important to recognize that. The second one would be is you have to build trust. And for me, building trust is having done the work of the people who work for me and, and going out and, and showing them that I'm there with them, whether it's going to be really bad or really good. I'm there. And you've heard me say, they need to see me. You know, if they don't see me, they can't trust me. So that's two. And then um, if you're not, if you're a leader that is maybe disconnected from a team or you're leading like a strategic team that you're not really like accountable, the direction of like a day to day is seek to understand the job. Try to understand what they're, what they're doing. 
you're not going to have all the answers and you shouldn't know more than they do. They should know more than you. And that's okay. But try to understand what people are doing, the job that they are tasked to do, the things that they encounter on a day-to-day basis. All those things can be extremely valuable. And it also builds trust because it shows that you're vested in the interest of another person. And, and they'll be more opt to come and talk to you and, and share and ideas and things. Uh, and then the last thing, um, there's a billion things, I'm just sticking to high points, is, uh, is try to find As a leader, try to find commonality between people and departments. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk about in leadership, like, uh, what do they call it? Um, Influence and impact and all these things. Um, I think they're both necessary. Don't tell Rob. (laughs) And uh, try 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 to connect people. Try to connect departments. When you're trying to make changes, bring people in. You know, talk about it. It can get muddy and probably annoying and people's egos will go crazy and but that's okay we, we have to be structured in our approach and, and we want to bring people in and connect people to process problem solution so that we we get a big picture of what we're trying to do i'm speaking from maintenance and you know standpoints and you know garnering buy in and things like that so i think it's relevant across the board for sure uh, and really just understanding people for, and trying to see their perspective i mean that I mean, that can be as much as, you know, your children that you're you know talking to, you know, yeah. get down there on their level sometimes makes a, a, a big difference. Yeah. Okay. So I was thinking about, you know, leadership and, you know, I, I always think about you and because of that locker room where we were in and as we were growing in this, the, the lessons we learned about the values that we have, I think that really sets us up for success, like understanding our own values and and how we, you know, are showing up, but then, okay, if you don't understand what everybody else is there for, like what their job is, what they're working on, then you can't really as a company have culture, you know, that's, I don't know, chicken and the egg there. Uh, but it's important. It's very important. It's, um, you can't, you can't have meaningful change if you don't truly understand the things that are keeping change from happening. And, sometimes it's as easy as just walking up to somebody and going, Hey, what are your thoughts on this? Or in a day, how many bottlenecks do you have? And what are they just person to person? That could be as simple as it is, or it could be as hard as culture is driven from the top down and everyone's just trying to find their place and not not get fired. If that's the case, leave. Yeah. Find something else that's going to give you a little bit more joy in life. But we are trying to change that. And, you know, I was just on another interview and we were talking about all this data that we get and they have, you know, this platform where you can put in things and not have your name attached to it. Right. So all the problems and challenges that, you know, may come up, you might not say it because you don't feel safe. And there are different processes that we can, you know, go through to help people give you real feedback. But genuinely, like you said, when you're out there and you see the problems and you experience it with them, they're going to be able to talk to you. Yep. They know you've now, you've been in their shoes. They know that you're seeing it just like they are. And yeah, I mean, those, those, uh, those anonymous things, they're, they're everywhere. And <clears throat> I think they have a lot of good, but I think that there's a somewhat of a disconnect there too, because a lot of times those things are going to people who aren't even on site. They have no context. It's, it's difficult for them to have context in the, in the request or the concern or whatever. And I would encourage if anybody uses those things where there should be some sort of communication between that request to who's received it and then who should be the line to address it or review it. That makes sense. 
You know, if one of my maintenance people put in an anonymous request about something and it went to some HR person and they sent it to some like operations person, like we're not going to help anybody yeah. like that, you know? So mm-hmm. having structure around that. Yeah. Okay. I can't let you go without talking a little bit about you being in the Navy and that experience, because I think that that plays into your teamwork, you know, showing up and being there for your guys, you know, girls. It's like, I think it's part of you. Mm-hmm. Would you? Am I correct You're in that? Correct. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I come from a long family of military people, mm. mostly Navy. Uh, my dad was in the Navy. My aunts and uncle or my uncles and my mom's side were in the Navy. You know, my grandfather, everybody was in the Navy. I didn't expect to go in the Navy. And when I did, you know, I, you know me, I wanted to be the best and I wanted to be better. All in. I wanted to be better than everybody, whether for good or for bad. And I quickly became a GC troubleshooter working on the flight deck. Uh, and that was my job for 12 to 18 hours a day, uh, every day, nine months out of the year for four years. And it's a different perspective and environment because of the stresses. You're, you're trying to be technically competent and proficient, but also be a part of a team where you're all trying to keep each other alive because the flight deck is a very, very dangerous place. And it's very orchestrated and you have to know places where you can and cannot be and, and still try to do your job. So that, that you're right. That has been a, a huge thing for me is I didn't see myself as a leader, but you, everybody is pushed to be a leader, right? I was in a group of four leaders and just by day by day, situation by situation, one of us was going to take a back seat, right? And that's okay. Because we, we have to we have to contour ourselves to the environment and the stresses and all these things. And it was amazing. And the only reason I got out of the Navy is because I had made E5 in four years. And if I was to make E6, I would not have been allowed to be a troubleshooter anymore. And I was not going to go sit on the ship in a desk. Wasn't yeah. going <laughs> to. So I, I just, I think it's really, well, first of all, thank you for your oh, service. Right on, we, we appreciate you. you. And then, you know, second, I think it just is a testament for you understanding what your strengths are, what you like to do, what you enjoy, what your values are. And I think that's a really great message for everybody. Okay. So I'm going to let you have the last word. Anything else that you want to tell our audience? I would say two things. Reflect, 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 reflect. I say that even more now than I would if a year ago, only because of my new job, the culture is very, very different than I'm used to. And I have to consciously assess the way I speak and the actions and all these things. And I'm constantly evaluating what I'm doing and what I'm saying. And I think it's very important for you and for everybody to start to learn to pay attention to what you say and do, and then reflect on it. And if something needs to come of it, act on it. You know, if you think that you may have offended somebody or, or upset somebody and you're not sure, think about it and then go and talk to them. It's better to say it and then be like, ah, oh, what are you talking about? Then to not say anything and it actually mattered. So that's one. And then the last thing is be a doer, not a talker and know the difference. I love it. I love it. Well, <laughs> you definitely are a doer and I am just... I do love to talk to you as well uh, and listen Likewise. for sure. There is so much energy uh, around uh, your leadership style. And I think people, you know, should get in touch with you. So I'll put, you know, your contact information in the show notes and everything. But I am so happy for you. I just have to say I'm so happy. Good decisions there just all around. And, you know, I really like sustainability. 
Um, you might notice this in some of the posts that I do. So anyway, I'd love to hear about it. And thanks for your time today. Thank you, Charlie. It's been an honor. I'll thank myself for arranging that interview. Just kind of fun. You know, I really am missing Bethany in all of this and our kind of back and forth here. And so, you know, I'll just say, I hope that y'all all enjoyed the interview and connect with Brian. He would love that. And he, like you said, he's a human centric leader and I hope that you will do so. So that brings us to the end of the show. Thanks for listening everybody. Do us a favor, subscribe, rate, review, Five stars, especially this week, would be awesome. Even a little, you know, mention um, or, you know, in the review, say something about missing Bethany and, you know, reach out to us on social media too at Empowering Pumps using that hashtag Empowering Industry Podcast. Or you can email us, it's podcast at empoweringpumps.com. And we'll be back every week with a new episode. Until then, be empowering. I still miss you, Bethany, but I want to dance because I got to see you smile. It was wonderful.